Hello, thanks for listening to the podcast version of our match build-up show. You have noticed things are slightly different. If you would have been watching on YouTube, uh, there wouldn't be any more green screen gimmicks because I don't have time for it. And, well, let me tell you a couple of things before we get going into the beef of the episode. Firstly, this is a bit of a pilot. We're changing our formats a little bit, just a tiny little tweak Uh, We were hoping to do a live show on OBS uh, through uh, onto YouTube, but the OBS software was playing up, so we couldn't quite do it. And interact with you live through the chat system on YouTube. So we'll be trying to move that forward in the future, trying to figure it out so we can actually do it. So I'll have to find some advice from other uh, podcasters, YouTubers, you name it, and see what they do. Secondly, why the change? So if I'm being honest... I'm being a bit selfish here, guys. Uh, I need some time for myself. And it is quite sad that I relish the international breaks because it means taking a break from all of the content that we, or in fact, that I produce uh, for the YouTube side of things, you know, editing, producing the podcast side of things. It is consuming my life. Now, we've also taken on this radio show uh, for Voice FM. We are enjoying it so much. Um, and, you know, we are moving that forward for the rest of the season too. But most importantly, all of this content uh, that I'm producing is neglecting my home life. So I'm having to make some cutbacks, but still giving you content. But hopefully there will be a live show every week and we'll be knocking it out in one evening, available to download as a podcast, usually the day after or the morning after. But for this case, the podcast is before because I couldn't quite figure out the technical side of things from a live streaming so as a listener for the podcast you're not missing out and hopefully we can still interact with you and do get in touch with us uh, on the usual social means or if you want to send us the email theuglyinside at gmail.com if you want to do that that's great and it'd be good to hear from you but for now it's me and Clive talking uh, and chatting ahead to Sheffield United and after the beef of this episode I will give you your rough guide to Sheffield you're a uh, Bite-sized away guide, your away game wouldn't be complete without it. So then welcome along then to our big match build-up show after the international break. Clive joins me on the line for this. I guess we're going to go for an ugly inside uncut on this one. We're trying our best to get a live uh, show out, but I can't uh, quite get to grips with the OBS machine and the operating system, so we're going to go the old-fashioned way, and this will be available to download just as an uncut version as a podcast. Clive, how have you been? Uh, and an England game to talk about. Yeah, I, I was uh, very impressed with the England game, very impressed with the atmosphere, other than that wretched band, of course, that we've got. But, yeah, it was a really, really good night out. Um, I've been, well, I consider it an honour, really, to have been able to, as, as part of my job, to take a UEFA delegate round for two days. Um, president of the Malta Football Association and a representative of the Football Association, and uh, ended up having dinner with the referees. So, <laughs> um, and they're actually they're they're not as bad as as they're all made out, um, other than Clattenburg, of course. But yeah, they're quite human, and they're, they're they're like us. They talk about handballs, they talk about VAR, they talk about Brexit. Oh, probably the favourite <laughs> conversation was Brexit, sadly. But but no, look. They have got that enthusiasm for football when someone's got to do the job. I wouldn't, and fair play to them. And you feel, 
one of the subjects which I found quite interesting was this new sim bin that's been brought in at local levels yeah. where when uh, players show dissent to the referee, they're sin bin for 10 minutes. And apparently it's, it's working quite well. I, I, I look back on my days of playing on Riverside Park, uh. and Test Park, and, and some of the abuse the poor referees used to get. And yeah, I think it's a, it's a very simple, good idea. Um, but I, I could never see it working with some of the language I used to encounter. Mm-hmm. So, but maybe things have changed. Maybe, you know, if people do keep getting sin binned for 10 minutes, but maybe I, I knew a player, for instance, who's a brilliant player, but he couldn't keep his gob shut to the referee. Every single decision was contested. So maybe these guys will learn. Maybe, you know, and, and the game can flow better. Well, Clive, we digress. But yes, uh, we a do. fantastic atmosphere at the England game yes. on Tuesday night. Um, and I, I selected a seat over in the chapel stand because when they had the email through from the uh, England newsletter, the supporters club, they said the chapel will be the designated uh, England supporters uh, end. And just my bloody luck, I was right next to the band. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, they do. I suppose people do take their lead from the band, but I, I, I've always felt that it's supporters that make an atmosphere, not a drum, not a band. You know, supporters can sing. Okay, so the Kosovans did have a drum, but they didn't need a drum to get themselves going. Their own fans got the atmosphere going, and it was interesting to see that they were dotted all around the stadium. Mm. So clearly I'd imagine they got their tickets from, you know, from, from, from Kosovans that are actually living in England rather than Kosovans that have travelled to the game. But uh, a wonderful atmosphere that it was, and it, it really made for for probably one of the best internationals in a long time. You can you can pick your bones out of the defending, okay, but it's eight goals. It's hugely entertaining and it's exciting. And I think people will want to go back and see more. I am fuming, mate. To be <laughs> honest, I tell you why because it was an absolute uh, carnage getting into the ground last night right okay. uh, I heard waiting, there was problems with the turnstiles yeah that's right waiting up to yeah. sort of 30 minutes some people waiting up to an hour just to get through the queues uh, you know there was great big queues uh, basically kind of uh, wheeling round kind of curling round the edge of the stadium and I missed the uh, I missed the first Kosovo goal I missed the uh, national anthems and we got to the ground at quarter past seven we got in there sort of two minutes after kickoff and crikey eight, okay eight goals and yes. I, didn't, I didn't witness one single ge- uh, goal down my end. Harry Kane, of oh. course, missed the penalty, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did, which would have made it 6-3, which would have been the first 6-3 since the famous drubbing of Manchester United. Indeed. Southampton. But disappointing that the turns... Well, I don't know what went wrong. It was a technical issue, obviously. But uh, again, and the fact that the Kosovan team turned up late because of the traffic situation with the M27 being closed and they were coming in from the Aegeus Bowl. Mm. They were staying They were staying in the hotel there um, and they never arrived, I believe, at the stadium till quarter to seven. Wow. So you, you, you'd imagine that the authorities could have put the game back quarter of an hour, half an hour, just to let everybody in, just as well as the traffic situation because people coming into the game from different directions than with a normal Saints game. Um, would have encountered huge problems any time after six o'clock. It was it was gridlock at the bottom of town. It was gridlock all around town, and and the the traffic getting out of town after the game was just as bad as well. But we are digressing. Uh, we're the, not fo- here- the football won, Freddie. The football won. You know, it was it was a real great advert for Southampton. Yeah, uh, a bit disappointed with 
some of the TV interviews, you know, saying, oh, oh, why aren't you disappointed it's not at Wembley and stuff like saying things like that. And also uh, BBC pointing out about Mings was going to make his debut and we'd discarded Mings. Well, yeah, we, everybody makes mistakes with players. What about the players we've provided for England over the years? How about mentioning some of those? You know, especially the under-23s, under-21s, whatever they are. Where Southampton's got a long established record of providing players for that team. So, a bit disappointing at the way the media look at us. But then, what's new, mate? Well, uh, to be honest, I'm all for the England team to go on tour uh, around the grounds. Yes. Yeah, a great uh, opportunity for the city and the surrounding uh, sort of neighbouring towns and cities. And of course, the fans of Southampton to see the, uh, the national team come uh, to St Mary's. But look, we're here to talk about Sheffield United then at the weekend. Yes, we are. Ten days off, almost sort of away from football, Premier League football. But let's just quickly review and just touch upon the Manchester United game before we get to Sheffield. Uh, Vestergaard's first goal. I mean, we've we've probably talked about it dozens of times through the pubs and mm. and uh, social meetings since then and had our own reviews and verdicts. But uh, let's start with the positives then. Firstly, Vestergaard's first goal leaping uh, above... Uh, I'm going to correct myself. I said it was Maguire in our in our verdict or our, our radio show last week, but it was Lindelof. He leaps and nods in his goal. Yeah, it was it was across. It was hung up there a bit, so um, he, he, his height definitely came in at the right came as an advantage at the right time, and he was in the right place, you know. And thank goodness because um, I thought we deserved a goal with the way we were pressing. Plus side, we started fantastically well, but we all know that the. The high press is very dangerous in the fact that if the other team get beyond you, then there's not a lot, you know, in terms of cover for the defence. And that's exactly how United scored, because there was a big, huge gap between midfield and our defence, mm. which which they utilised. And then the next 20 minutes were very worrying because they took a, a real firm grip on the game. But what I think the fans can take from this game and... I, I was elated with the way that we stuck, once we got that equaliser, that the fans stuck with the team. They realised the situation, especially after the sending off. We got a bit of grit about us, a, a lot more fight and a, and, a, and a little bit more nails. Um, I know we still seem to make our own problems at the back, but in fact, when it went 1-1 and he brought Stuart Armstrong on, I thought that's exactly the right substitution. Give a bit more legs in the midfield, start pushing on, even more to United and I, and I really fancied it then of course the sending off came mm. uh, but but those last few minutes I really saw the crowd come together and that gives me a lot of heart you know when the whole ground starts singing it, it, it's fantastic and you, you can feel that transfer to the players whose legs must have been pretty much gone when you've got you've had over 20 minutes to survive at, at the end of what was a tough game anyway mm. your legs start to feel like jelly after 80 minutes and I think the fans gave got us over the line that day I really do and and, and I loved seeing that that is just what we are all about I think mm. I, I want to highlight actually the two midfielders uh, Romeo and Hoiberg actually in that first half mm. I was critical of those I think they were left out of yeah. position quite a number of times but they picked themselves up in the second half and left everything out there by, by the full time whistle they did they recovered uh, I mean a lot of passes were going astray first half weren't they we were creating yeah. some okay some okay situations, but that last third, it wasn't happening. And and it's it, it's really difficult. When when that breaks down and you're 1-0 down anyway, um, it, it's good. 
I think to come back from that was 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 a huge result, and uh, takes it bodes well for the for the forthcoming games. Yeah, and it was a show of character. In fact, this is the sort of game. Say we go ten men down uh, two years ago under Pellegrino or Mark Hughes, we would have just sort of rolled over and allowed Man United to come back at us and probably put three or four away. Yeah, I think there's a spirit in the camp there. You you can see it in some of the clips in the training, but training is one thing, doing it on the pitch is another. But they did do it that last 20 minutes. They really, really dug in and it was a great team effort and a great effort, as I say, by the fans. Yeah. And I'd, I'd just like to see them at the start of games like that, the, the whole ground together, you know, this stand up if you love the Saints. Well, why not? Why not? Let's get the whole stadium on our feet mm. because... They talk about some of these places are fortresses. Well, the, St. Mary's can be a fortress, but it's up to the fans to really, maybe like they did, realise the situation of these games. Well, it, Dan So it, uh, is coming away from this, yeah. this game, obviously with a red card and a suspension. Yeah. It is his, uh, his third yellow card of as many appearances, <laughs> I think, in a Southampton shirt. So I think he's got a lot to learn, probably a lot to dwell upon uh, whilst he's been away. Uh, I guess with Austria this week, in fact, probably just thinking about the game yeah. ahead or the game that he will be missing, I think it'll be a big miss, in fact, at Bramall Lane. Yeah, I think he will. It gives us less flexibility to do different things at the back. But, you know, there's enough in that team to to get a result up there. So, uh, uh, yes, it's a miss. It's a bit like Redmond was a big miss against United. But Buffal came in, played very, very well. And, and put in the effort. And I think, the, again, the fans saw that and they're really taken to him. And Danso's got this thing to his locker now as well. Uh, we've finally got a threat from throw-ins. Uh, and also that Ralph is now employing this 4-2-2-2. He's finally got the uh, the personnel to play with it. It's probably going to be a like-for-like -like, uh, replacement though, isn't it? Uh, Bertrand has been seen in training this week and is likely to return to the first team. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see on that one. But when you mentioned throw-ins, Freddie... Um, I just think Cardiff City, and that's pretty much the only tactic they had. So, I whilst it is a positive that we we've got a threat from throw-ins, uh, when you look at the stats, I think when we had Rory Delap, I think we scored from one throw-in in yeah. God knows how many years. So, yeah, it's a threat. It's a bit like when it goes for a corner and everyone gets excited, <laughs> and we get one goal every uh, every blue moon. But yeah, but with the guys we've got at the back there, you know, with 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 Vestergaard and and um, yeah, um, Jan Bednarek. Bednarek. I always forget. There's too many Yannicks. <laughs> um, Bednarek. Yeah, with 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 Bednarek there. You know, there's a there's a good there's a good aerial threat, and we should be doing things, especially with Prousey and the team taking the kicks, because he can put it in the right right areas. So mm. I'm really hoping over a season that 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 proves proves a positive thing. But the throw-ins, I don't get too excited by. It's. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, and we do get you know, a few goals, but um, generally teams in the Prem are pretty pretty clued up to it. Yeah, and I think we've also got to look out for this, uh, because we are playing this high-press system, uh, it also mm. comes with a danger of yellow cards, and Gineppo, again, another prime example of picking up too many uh, already, two in almost two, three appearances, uh, he picked up apparently 11 yellow cards last season uh, in the Belgian league, so he's, he's quite clumsy, he needs to be aware of himself too. Yeah, I, I think it's just a learning process, isn't it? Don't forget these guys are coming in from different leagues, different pace of the game. And it does take a few games to get used to it. And clearly, I think Danso would have learned from, especially the second challenge, because you could, 
oh god you could see it coming from 10 10 meters away couldn't you and you just knew um yeah so it, it's again it's about being wise and being a bit showing a bit more now so i think and that will come with time well, that will come with time i think we've got a great team spirit and and i think the, the, the guys will improve Danso's uh, foul and his red card. I said to Nick that it was something out of Francis Benali's DVDs. Yes, yes, <laughs> it was. But I'd like the one at Wimbledon. He didn't. He didn't put the guy on the moon. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was. It was quite. It was quite something because you could see it coming, couldn't you? You knew what was happening. Mm. You knew where it was going. Um, shame it wasn't another player that could have just taken a booking for that one. Because yeah, United were in a good position. But was it a goal? No, they were still forty-five. 50 metres from goal weren't they so mm. a bit unnecessary really but you learn yeah, we hope we learn yeah well this is what Ralph said you know when he first came in we, we either win or we learn and, and we certainly had something to learn about uh, especially Kevin Dancer to think about over this last 10 days but we mm. do travel to Bramall Lane and uh, do we have something to worry about up top Che Adams of course uh, signing the summer 15 million pounds going, going back to his old club there's a little bit of pressure mounting on his young shoulders there is he needs a goal. Quite mm. clearly, he needs a goal, um, and, and you can see the, the confidence dipping a little bit as as the games go by. Um, I think a goal would would change his whole de- demeanour. Um, I watch him, and I, I see a lot of things that he does are, are absolutely right. He's working the centre halves. You know, touch again. That comes with time. That's the difference between the Championship and the Premiership. That first touch on the ball. And you just don't get you just don't get the time with the defenders in the Premier League. So um, I think yeah. he'll find his pace. I think he'll find his rhythm eventually. And as you say, I think he just needs that one goal just to uh, off his shin, off his bum. You know, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. As long as it goes in the back of the net. And I, I believe that he will almost certainly reach double figures this season. As long as he, well, know, as soon as he oh, starts scoring, I think he'll, he'll go on a bit of a streak. Yeah, I think as well. You see a lot of his goals for Birmingham were where he he picked up he he sensed he sensed something that happened. It weren't they weren't like beating three players and shooting well one or two shooting in the top corner, but a lot of his goals were where he sensed the danger and and that's an instinct thing. And little yes, it is different in the Premiership, but I, I'm really hopeful that once he gets that first goal, the confidence will you know start flowing mm. and he won't think about it. I think the minute you start thinking about things too much, then you have a problem. So you, you, you need it to be instinctive. Yeah, I think Danny Engs is starting to become an instinctive forward. The goal <laughs> against... Uh, instinctive. <laughs> yeah, his intuition. Intuitive. Intuition. Intuitive. He's an intelligent... Freddie, he's a very intelligent player, Danny Ings. Um, I, I hear a lot of criticism from him, but he, he sees things before the other guys. It's, it's just sometimes that final delivery and that finishing, you know, he, he, there's been a few chances he should have put away, really, by his standards. Yeah. Uh, well, look, Sheffield United, five points mm. from four games. Well, what have you made of them so far this Premier League season? Last weekend, or the last time out in the Prem, it was a, 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 a result, almost a draw, you know, from 2-0 down away at, at uh, Chelsea. Freddie, that's a fantastic result from 2-0 down. And that speaks volumes for their organisation and their determination. Teams coming up have always got that enthusiasm in the first, probably first 10 games, I think. And, and that's something we need to be wary of. And, and, and Chris Wilder, if you look at his record, he's, he's, he's a very good 
organizer of teams. Make them hard to beat. Don't give stuff away. Don't you know? Like, like I keep saying about Saints, be a bit more, be a bit more mean defensively. So yeah, I, I'm very impressed with Sheffield United compared to to where I thought they might be. Hmm. Uh, well, of course, at the beginning of the season, a lot of people were tipping them to go down. Well, I think they, they you know, the, their fans will will probably think it's going to be a struggle at some point in the season. We'll have, you know, this is this is the honeymoon period right now, hmm. and they will see they will see Saints as a very viable three points, which might be a good thing because if they go at us, we'll, you know, we're more in likely to be able to utilise the spaces behind. Do we know on injuries what, what the situation is? Or? Well, this brings me to my next point. Nathan Redmond okay. is still likely to be out, uh, what did they say, two to three weeks uh, when he came off injured at Fulham. I mm-hmm. think he might return, perhaps Bournemouth is the target, but Nathan Redmond, you know, could be said another another great loss for the team at the weekend. Of course, of course, as he was at the United game, but... Uh, that just again narrows down our options, doesn't it? Really, but well, we've also got we Gineppo have... to return back, and Buffal seems to uh, come back with a brand new attitude. Yes, Buffal was was very positive positive against United. Um, Redmond does give us a bit of an X factor, I think. His he, the defenders are starting to fear him when he gets a bit like you saw with Sterling last night. The minute he gets the ball under control and is you know running at the opposition's goal. Defenders hate it, and that's that's the situation with Redmond, and and we will miss that kind of quality. Mm. All right, a uh, long trip to South Yorkshire then at the weekend, Clive. Uh, any recommendations? I'm going to put you on the spot. Any any recommendations for pubs? No, I've got a clue, mate. <laughs> I've got a clue. I've been up there for years. Uh, when I went to that League Cup game, I got there at the last minute, so I, I can't tell you, Freddie. I'm sorry, mate, but uh-huh. uh, yeah, went there in '77, I think, as a as a kid. So that was that was a feisty old day too. All it might be that it might be that on Saturday, Freddie. Well, uh, Desmond, uh, to be honest, that wouldn't be such a bad result either to take away. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. I think that fair enough. A lot of people would be hoping for a Saints win there, but they're a tougher nut to crack than than I think most people think. Hmm. All right. So we we start the show then with the England and uh, or the England result, if you like. And of course, Tuesday was the the hot topic, uh, the hot cake selling on the ticket office, uh, oh, tickets tickets yeah. for the cup draw down the road. Have you got yours yet? Yes, I got mine, Freddie. I got mine. Yeah, <laughs> tin hats at the ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All sorted. Um, just got to sort the travel out. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, of, of course it. It's very difficult not to think about it, but we have got two massive league games before that game, and, yeah. and that should be where our attention is right now. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Mm. We're all looking forward to it. But look, yeah, it's Sheffield it is at the well weekend. Worthy. I think we've got to also look for three points against Bournemouth. The uh, uh, the the uh, what's the imposter of the South Coast derby? The imposter. Yeah. Right. Great stuff, then, yeah. Clive. Good to speak to you, and uh, we'll speak again soon. Cheers, Freddie. All the best, mate. For time for your bite-sized away guide. It wouldn't be complete without it. So those that are travelling up to Bramall Lane, it is South Yorkshire, roughly about a four-hour drive. Uh, so a lot of the coaches will be leaving quite early in the morning, at half past seven, 
or you might be able to get away with leaving a little bit later if you are driving on your own or with a few pals. But look, it is five years since we have uh, visited Bramall Lane uh, in a a League Cup defeat uh, in 2014. A young Che Adams on the day uh, on the field. But you want to know more about your away game. So driving there will be nearly four hours. Take the M1 via the A34 and then take the directions uh, towards Sheffield. Leave the M1 junction at junction 33 and uh, take the A 630 into Sheffield uh, City Centre and then Bramwell Lane will be uh, posted around the uh, the signposts. And, uh, well, well, you'll be looking for some uh, liquid refreshment, of course, when you get there. Uh, There's plenty to eat and drink around the city, actually. A plethora of pubs, real ale pubs, in fact. And there will be, of course, a Weatherspoons for you to dish up the breakfast a away game would it be complete without a Weatherspoons breakfast? Of course there is. So the one you're after is Sheaf Island, and there are uh, it tends to be a mix of home and away pubs, and there are plenty of other camera listed and uh, pubs that are listed in the good beer guide. So if you're after real ale or craft beer, then there are plenty to choose from. And Kellam Island seems to be a bit of a a hot spot for uh, real ale. You've also got the um, Head of Steam Brewery right in the centre of town. And from there, it will be a 15-minute walk to Bramall Lane and the football ground. So not too far to walk away uh, from the city centre in a, a watering hole of your choice. And of course, if you're travelling by train, there are no uh, expected engineering works or strikes. Great but it's still going to take nearly five hours to get there on the train from Southampton. There is a direct train from uh, Southampton Central about seven o'clock, but you will be arriving in Sheffield about 11 at 12 if you're on a good run. So just be expected to have probably more tins on the train. Anyway, there's your bite size away guide from me. Uh, do let me know, get in touch with us, what you're thinking of this little change in format and uh, maybe some advice on how I can juggle all of this content Uh, with home life indeed. So thanks for listening along to the podcast version of this week's Match Build-Up show. Don't forget to subscribe, join us on social media, and we'll speak to you next week.